The world is a new place, and we're all making adjustments. It moves faster and changes direction more frequently than ever before. People feel stuck, unfulfilled, and lost in their lives. I hear this all too often. Where are the answers? Someone please just give me the answers. Well, what if I told you the answers are finally here? My name is Scott McDonald, and I was once just like you. Join me on my process of personal development, pathway of success, and pursuit of happiness. For you see, my job isn't just to ask questions. My job isn't to just listen. My job is to ensure what happened to me does not happen to you. This is Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McDonald. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine and current minor hockey coach, Brad Can. Brad is coaching with the Whippy Wolves. And today we're going to be talking about uh, how coaches are adjusting to this new way of life during this COVID-19 pandemic. Brad, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Scott, for having me. Yeah, so tell me, man, what's going on in your life now? You guys were at the tail end of your season. You're gearing up. Uh, you know, playoffs were happening. Your your league championships, provincials. You know, preparing for next year's happening, and then we're all told to stay home. So, uh, how how have you been uh, adjusting to that? Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, you know, seasons all must come to an end at some point, and generally, you like to come to an end on a on a winning note, or at least on some terms that you're controllable, like a win or a loss. But um, you know, it's obviously a challenge when you have your, you know, your plan, your, we were down one nothing and kind of the lower legs playoffs to Peterborough. And, you know, we had practiced all week, put a good game plan in and all ready to go on Saturday and, and Thursday it got shut down. So, you know, it's obviously a challenge to communicate to the parents and try to keep them engaged. And you know, obviously the kids were upset and disappointed. And, um, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's the kind of a unique thing about sports is sometimes, not everything goes your way and you have to be prepared for it. And it teaches you life lessons. It's not just, you know, how to handle a win or a loss, but sometimes things are beyond your control. Yeah. And this has actually been an opportunity for people to reflect and reconnect with society. Uh, how's that been going for you? And, and in your mind, uh, what, what's kind of your message to uh, the sports world out there? Because it can be a very stressful world uh, for parents and athletes alike. So uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's interesting. We are so busy in today's society with work and technology and all those things. It's almost like, you know, I'm not a very big spiritual person, but it's almost like the coronavirus has given everyone the, the Microsoft reset button. And in essence, like if you look at, uh, I'm in the investment business, so you saw an interesting charge relative to the CO2 emissions in the globe have actually gone down during this time frame. And so it gives everyone kind of some time to reflect on what's important and I think we all take everything for so for granted at times how good it is. And, you know, now it's a bit of a challenge and everyone's kind of, uh, their lives have been disrupted and arguably you have to uh, reset. And so I think it's nice to reflect, look at what maybe the things you've done right and, and have worked for you and, and focus on some of the things that maybe you could have did better. But I think it's a time to reflect on, on your relationships with your family, maybe engage a little bit more than you have in your past maybe reach out to some old friends that you haven't talked to in a while. 
uh, or just, uh, you know, a time to maybe just get better at whatever you do, whether that's reading or, you know, watching some video or whatever it is, but it gives you a time to reflect and have a bit of downtime, which you probably wouldn't normally have in a normal course environment. And it's funny too, because before social media and technology really took off in the last 15 to 20 years, we're, we're kind of back to where we were. It wasn't too long ago. This is what, what, what normal life was. And it's so foreign to some people though. It's just, it's funny how disconnected we can get. Uh, so what's been going on in your household? How, how have you been keeping uh, your kids busy? I know they play, uh, you know, there's, there's hockey and golf uh, mixed in there, like, you know, uh, a lot of high energy. So how are you uh, coping with that is, is the, how I'll say it comedically, um, you know, for, for you guys. Yeah. So uh, we have a little French bulldog, so there's lots of more, more walks in the, the dog's life. So I'm sure it's happy, but uh, um, <laughs> definitely, you know, maybe I have a bunch of workout stuff in my basement, a box jump, a bike, some weights, uh, a bunch of other stuff, a chin up bar. And so it's actually, you know, uh, allowed all of us to kind of get back down there and take a break out of the day and, you know, 15 or 30 or an hour and spend some time working out. And, 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 you know, for the girls, I have a bit of a stick handling mat downstairs. So they're down there stick handling. And, uh, you know, one of my assistant coaches, he lives not too far from here and has an old barn that he's transitioned the top of the barn into a shooting pad. So oh, wow. So he's got like the synthetic ice up there. So we've been, been trying to go there once or twice a week and no one's there. It's just us. And so, you know, it's nice that we can get up there and practice shooting and, you know, work on technique and, you know, practice some one timers, which you know, it's pretty fun watching kids try to do a one timer who've never done <laughs> synthetic ice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that from a hockey perspective, you know, trying to do that. And, you know, it was my team kind of just still communicating with the team and saying, I hope everyone's doing well. Post the odd video on Team Snap about maybe some things that the kids could be doing to get better, um, you know, with the Atom age group tryouts are in September anyways. So, but for my older daughter, her tryouts were supposed to be in April. And so uh, that looks like it's been moved. I'm sure you've seen this, but most tryouts have been moved to the fall, which allows, I think, you know, allows some kids that really want to get better and have a passion for the game to work hard over the summer uh, to get better. And I think that's kind of a nice concept of, of a break as well. And you, you as a coach too, that must be uh, nice to leverage as well, because there's always those few players to fill those final spots who you're just not sure. And, but now, you know, five months from now, six months from now, you know, that's pretty helpful because someone may grow mature, uh, athletically, physically, socially, mentally, and uh, that could actually change the dynamic. And you're right, give different opportunities. So, um, you know, how much are, of your kind of, uh, you know, game plan for your program next year are you still uh, working on day to day? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that's, you know, with this downtime, it's allowed me to rethink what we've done this year as a group and kind of, you know, if anything, it allows me to build a plan. Uh, I had a conversation with someone the other day, like I could arguably build my whole four weeks or six weeks, you know, the first, because of the new pathway program, the development process is a bit different before the season, but arguably it allows me to build my entire plan and have it done probably before tryouts, which is a bit nice. Generally when, you know, if you don't have tryouts in, in September, you have them in April and basically you just finished the season. If you're made it to provincials or lower lakes, that's, and then, you know, basically tryouts are Easter weekend. So you have no downtime. So then you got to basically try to pick who your evaluators are and all those things. And so it is nice from that perspective, but it does allow you to focus on some resources. I use that coach the map, um, which you can basically build. 
and did some more video and kind of really break down some of the things you think are that are important and maybe you you know as a coach I think you can do everything better a little bit better every year and I think from our perspective um, having this break allows me to reflect on some of the things I did well and some of the things I didn't do well and, and try to build for better for next year so I think from a plan perspective not a ton changes um, other than maybe just a, uh, some finer attention to detail because you have more time. And you mentioned about the resources that are now available. I believe, um, you know, like there's so many, there's podcasts, there's websites now. And uh, it's actually someone, uh, you know, uh, who's been a, a friend of mine that I uh, made a, a friendship with last year is actually a Topher Scott with the Hockey Think Tank podcast. Um, how valuable are uh, podcasts like Tofs and these, uh, you know, all these different resources of websites uh, for coaches so they can like continue their education basically during a time like this? Yeah, Topher's is great. I think, you know, arguably probably the best, one of the best, if not the best out there. For- We're coming up far behind him though. I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it just in terms of development and, you know, one of the things I really like about his podcast is he does talk about, you know, the, the development side of youth hockey. And I think, you know, I think at times we can all get caught up in the, co- the, the concept of winning and losing. And, you know, my opinion, you've heard me say this before, is, is if you do all the right things from a development point of view, um, winning should probably take care of itself, but there's a lot of coaches that get caught up in just winning. And I think that's arguably, I get, we all want to win and your season becomes a lot easier when you do win, but when you focus on winning, I think you get away from the true value of developing young athletes. And I think the value of all those podcasts is just continuing to learn. I think, you know, whatever you do from me being an athlete, when I played lacrosse and hockey is you have to continue to learn whatever you do. And, and it just allows you to be a bit more efficient in terms of your time and, uh, and learn some new concepts that maybe you, you, that you wouldn't. And, you know, I know the one that Tober talks about a little bit on his podcast is like positional hockey could be happening in five years where every player on the ice knows how to play every position. It's just fill a void, fill a void, fill a void, which will make the game very dynamic. Uh, and it will be all about skill from that perspective. Yeah. It, it's amazing how, you know, hockey, football, basketball, soccer, it's, it's changing because there's so much out there now to improve the game for the athlete, for the coaching staff, the management. Uh, I, I was, I had an episode earlier this week uh, where the, my guests and I were talking about how much it, how much management it takes to provide a top-notch program for athletes for you, what do you think makes it a winning program? Not, and again, we're not just talking the wins and losses, but we're talking, uh, as Scotty Bowman say, a program without crutches. For you, what makes a, a winning program in that sense? Yeah, I think um, one, which would be my biggest belief is culture. If you don't have the right culture, um, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how good your kids are. I don't think you can win without the right culture. And so you know, forming the right culture also means, you know, one, it's, it's the right kids on the team to build that culture. And you can't, you know, you can't have every kid being the same. You also need a really good dynamic parent group to build a really good culture in new sports. And that changes year over year. But I think, you know, from a culture perspective, you want to make sure that there's no one ever bigger than the team. Uh, you want to have a team dynamic and you want to create an environment where, you know, individual success is rewarded, but not in the aspect of team success. And so, you know, in terms of an overall program, if you break it down from, you know, you look at, you can look at all aspects of everything relative to sports. You can look at nutrition, you can look at workouts, you could look at 
you know, the mental side of the game, which is a big, you know, I think when I played mental side was get up and tough it up. Um, and now that's obviously a lot different. And so understanding the mental side of the game, understanding, you know, having different development coaches come in, but your overall program really is about, you know, development of every individual athlete in the conjunction of making a team success. And so, but it's got to start with culture. Uh, and once you have that culture in place, it allows you to build on all those other things. But I think, you know, the one thing that I didn't do a ton of this year, which I will next year is video where you can actually get broken down video. Cause I know, you know, when I played, well, when I was in college, we had scouting reports all the time, but, um, but trying to adapt some of that stuff to youth sports today, cause there's so much technology. Cody Creighton was on earlier, uh, last, uh, earlier in the podcast. Uh, and he had mentioned like, you know, if he had the ability to watch himself more on video and they had that at the NCAA at Robert Morris, but more consistently when he was in his downtime, he felt that would have helped push him to the next level. Uh, and, and it's now a resource that's out there. And I think that's, that's, it's an underused resource as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, the game happens in real time and hockey happens and you, you know, you try to, you really try to, um, adapt to it but it happens it's always in front of you and it happens so quickly and having the ability to see and maybe where your stick position could be where to break up a pass instead of that pass getting through and maybe it's a two-on-one and there's a goal or you know having your body in the right position to to get in a good shooting position so you score instead of having to turn but all the video stuff in today's world is is so dynamic that it allows you as an athlete to really hone all your skills on every part of the game and couldn't agree with Cody more is having the ability to see yourself in action. Um, and I think, you know, we're all pretty cognizant of what we're good at and what we're bad at. Um, but video brings it to the forefront and allows you to prove on the, the little things that make you better as an athlete. How important is it for a head coach to rely on uh, his or her assistant coaches, like having that extra support there, um, you know, everyone knowing what their role is. Uh, sometimes the head coach is just to analyze who they want out next. And we're obviously we're talking that's at the higher uh, age and level, um, but utilizing your assistants, uh, you know, how, how much more effective can a team be when, uh, you know, the, the coaching staff is, is working as a whole? Yeah, it's, I think, I think it's night and day. I think if, if you're not on the same page as a, as a staff, then what's the point of having one? You know, I know everyone has difference of opinions, but, you know, if you can't rely, you know, my main guy on my bench this year was an ex-goalie. And so having him on the, like, you know, he'd see something relative to the goalies that I wouldn't see or, you know, and I kind of looked at, you know, the forwards and looked at the D and, but I had so much trust in him that if there was ever a situation, he would just be like, put it with whoever he'd be like, who do you want out? And, I'd be like, yeah, that's perfect. And he already kind of, when you're, you know, when you're, you have a really good working relationship, you kind of think of it the same way and it allows you to basically focus on the same things and the message is better. And arguably you can leverage, you know, his aspects of being a goalie and seeing the things that maybe as a, you know, someone that played right wing and center, you didn't necessarily see. So having a good staff, you know, having different diverse backgrounds, not all being the same player, which, you know, arguably would be nice if you had, three guys who played in the NHL on the bench, but um, you know, that definitely doesn't happen because sometimes they may see the game the same, or sometimes they see it so differently that one, the head coach may not agree with the assistant and the assistant may not agree with the head coach's vision. And then that creates conflict. And so that goes right back to the culture comment. I think the more you can utilize your team 
uh, as in terms of the coaching staff. And I always, you know, we had conversations, we had group texts going all the time with the, with my coaches and always, every time there was a, when I was thinking about a line change, I always send it out to them. You got to make your, you got to have your staff involved with your decision-making process. Cause if you don't, that's where things can go the other direction. Now you're coaching uh, the under 11s. Um, and obviously it's a, it's a bit of a different uh, development stage for them. And obviously this is a, this is a different age bracket than what most of our audience is used to, but I think it's still great for parents to understand the development process. Um, in terms of your practices, do you approach it where you're more skill heavy, where, you know, your two practices per week are going to be just strictly skill-based or do you do one is skill-based one is team and concept? Uh, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah. So um, I'm in the kind of the camp where, you know, I think in, it's in the USA hockey manual, but the, you know, arguably the eight to 12 year old age group is really about skill development and, you know, and skill development is everything you should do. And so we did, you know, I would say 90% of our practices were always skill development. And so we had the aspect, one of the unique things that uh, coaching with the Whippy organization this year is we had access to Power Edge Pro. Um, and so we tried to do Power Edge Pro every single Monday. Uh, and that was our full hour practice on Monday. And then Wednesdays, we had an hour and a half. And generally, hour and a half, the hour and a half practices, we still did skill stuff, but that skill stuff was, it could be like, you know, shooting, and then maybe it was one-on-ones or two-on-ones. And, and really starting to use the skills that they developed in Power Edge Pro, but take it into a game situation. I mean, you, you and I have had this conversation before. You know, I'm a big believer in the hockey IQ development um, because you know kids can all skate they can all shoot the puck some are better some are different but the ones that really get to that next level and we get um, experience when you get to the elite level everyone's generally the same obviously there's the elite of the elite but the elite of the elite have a skill set that's sometimes undefined and that's really understanding the game of hockey itself and so I try to teach a lot of small area games hockey IQ and really let them understand why we do certain things and why we do certain drills, but most of it's skill-based. And then when we got after Christmas heading into playoffs, we did more team concepts and just took all the skill we did over, you know, from September to the end of December and then applied it in the drills from a team perspective after Christmas. Now, Brad, this is a conversation that we've had before. So let's skip up a few uh, age categories and a few levels here. Uh, USA hockey has, start they've caught up for sure to hockey Canada. Um, and, and there's a big debate as to why that is. What's your opinion as what well, as why that is? I know what mine is. Mine is they, they have a bigger population. Hockey's more popular there. They've adapted to the teachings that, uh, that, that Canada has provided and made and made available to the world. Uh, and now they're starting to refine it and they're starting to, cl- they've closed the gap and they're starting to escalate over the gap where we currently are. What's your philosophy on that? I think it's, yeah, I I agree a lot of that in the context of, you know, one, it's a huge population base Two, There's a lot of money in the United States. Uh, And the third, what I would be is, you know, hockey for them, it's was a smaller base because of the other major sports in the U S. And so you also have the context of looking at every other development model across the country, both in Canada uh, North America for sure in Canada. And then you have the ability to look at what, happened, what worked in Europe. And so I think why Hockey, Hockey Canada um, is trying to adapt some of the things the U.S. has done is arguably the U.S. is what, you know, if you have 380 million people versus, you know, 35 million people in Canada, 
that means there's more athletes playing, which also means hockey, but USA hockey's put a ton of money into that program. And so you put more money and you have more people, ideally that is a pretty good recipe for success. And the other side of that equation is you can take, because you basically changed your whole development model, you can take every aspect of every sport that's been successful. And, you know, I think the small area games is really a base. I don't know if you have, I'm sure you might've read the book, the talent code about futsal in Brazil and how, you know, basically why the Brazilians were so good at soccer is that they had so many different touches. And so the same concept is about small area games and, you know, the cross ice hockey. Um, and I think all those stuff makes sense, but arguably you have more people, more money, and the ability to look, reflect on everything that's worked in the world is why hockey, USA Hockey has been pretty successful in the last five or six or even ten years. Uh, and that, you know, obviously they have that U.S. development model, which is pretty interesting for the elite kids. Yeah, and they've done a fantastic job too. And, and that's one of the things, you know, like uh, it's not like Hockey Canada has – has taken money out or gotten uh, or, or dumbed down the program or made it not as important. It's just, <clears throat> there was competition that really pushed over the last, like you said, 15, uh, 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, this is just, you know, the uh, byproduct of hard work and sticking to the plan and, and coming forward. And I think it was great for the, for the game too. Cause you know, even now, um, I get so many uh, emails and phone calls from American athletes who just want to come up here still to be a part of one of our events because that we still have that we do still have say a higher competition base at our events, but now they can, now they feel confident to go after it and say, okay, I'm going to go com compete with those crazy Canucks. So it, it's a nice competition that it's definitely bringing in. Uh, what's the plan moving forward now when this whole thing blows over and we're, you know, rinks are open for business. Obviously, you coach in, in my uh, hockey club program, and we're working on a bunch of different solutions based on the timeline of those facilities reopening. But for your program, uh, what, what's the game plan once you're ready to rock and roll? Yeah, I mean, you know, arguably, uh, arguably we're shut down for the season. They're not, I mean, everything is, they basically canceled us, and now we're in the process of trying to, you know, figure out budgets. But I think, um, you know, we have, because, you know, the team I coach is going to be the Adam double A's next year. And there's, you know, our charts are in August. I'm going to have, try to encourage the group of girls that probably should be on the team next year um, to, to, you know, I think do as much stuff over the summer as they can. Um, but I, the one thing I think that there's going to be this massive, like, it's almost like it's going to just grow exponentially. No one's been on the ice for arguably three to four weeks. Most private facilities are shut down. There's no hockey schools. I think everyone is going to be basically just trying to find as much uh, opportunity to get their kids on the ice and develop from, you know, a million different things. And so you'll see, I can imagine you'll see all the hockey camps fill up really quick. I can imagine you'll see all the facilities be booked up from free ice, you know, as parents do birthday skates and, and try to find ways to, to get your kids on the ice. Um, but from our perspective, you know, I'm also a big believer that, that multi-sport athletes are, are, are probably better athletes in the long run. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, you try, the summer is generally good for is having kids play, do other sports. And, you know, I think there's been a million articles. I don't have to, you know, I'm sure you've been a million people talk about this, but you know, that using different muscle groups and, and running versus skating and, jumping versus skating and all those things just develop better athletes. And so 
I think there will be a rush to, to get a lot of, you know, hockey in, in the short term, but arguably not forget about doing other things that expand your brain. And, you know, I think I played lacrosse and, you know, for me, it was hockey in the winter and lacrosse in the summer. And sometimes there was overlap. You'd go from one sport to the other, uh, generally in the fall, but I think that makes you a better athlete because arguably you're doing some different things. And, you know, I think lacrosse, as much as it's a great sport and seems to be dying a little bit, is a great kind of segue for, for athletes uh, over the summer. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is to, if you are a multi-sport athlete, it might be most wise to, you know, go play in a shortened season league somewhere before coming back to the ice, because we all know when those bag skates start, it'd be nice to get a little bit of conditioning under your belt before you go, you go and do them. It's really hard to just do right off the hop. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Unless you've been, you know, doing something over this little break to whether, you know, conditioning wise or whatever it may be. But for the most part, I think people have taken this a bit as a downtime just because I think seasons were kind of winding down anyway. And I know like my older daughter season, hers was, they were out there. It was over, um, but they would have had tryouts in April. And so you still have to kind of keep them engaged for that. But yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing too, to comment on what happens after here and the whole hockey Canada thing is like, you know, in Canada, we've had a really successful other sports. Like baseball has been pretty successful. The Jays have been pretty successful. You know, you have this kind of big push in basketball now because of the Raptors phenomenon. Absolutely. So, so you have like, you know, you're going to have some really good athletes, maybe not play hockey anymore and, and go to other sports. And so, you know, I think Hockey Canada has to be cognizant of that, that, you know, arguably you're going to lose good athletes to other sports. And and so trying to make sure that we get the participation rate in Canada doesn't dwindle, it continues to grow as other sports become viable for other athletes. Yeah. Now uh, we need to uh, wrap up here uh, as we're running out of time, but uh, here's one question I ask to uh, all my guests uh, from day one. And that is if you had the 16 year old version of yourself sitting across you right now here in 2020, going through this pandemic, but you know, September, the season's going to start. We, and I'm being more than positive that I know this will happen. We will get through this. And, you know, at least by the fall, we'll be rocking and rolling with a lot of our sports, but what advice would you give right now to that young man, that 16 year old version of you to take advantage and to be as prepared as possible? Yeah, take this downtime to get better. Um, whether that be mentally, whether it be physically, whether it be skill, um, you know, I think the content, it, it, it's what we had on our practice jersey, but a big believer of this is, you know, you can never be outworked. And generally the hardest worker is sometimes the most successful person, or I'm sure you've heard the term in sports, the harder you work, the luckier we get. And so take this downtime and, and you know, stay positive. Uh, keep a good frame of mind, but put in the time and put in the effort to, to, to master your craft. You know, at the end of the day, the more work ethic you put in, whether that's reading books, whether that's watching video, whether that's downstairs in the gym, whatever it is, whatever your passion is, I think the big thing is if you have passion for something, you'll do whatever it takes to make sure you're successful. And so find your passion whatever it may be. If it's not hockey, great. If it's something else, but find your passion, work hard at it, and just trust the process and generally it should work out. Once you find passion, you'll find energy. Brad, this has been awesome. I love catching up with you. We'll have to do it more, especially because I know that we all have the time to have more discussions like this and to uh, spread our stories and knowledge for uh, all the student athletes to, uh, to really learn from uh, all of our uh, teachings of what we got going on here. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. 
This is Scott McDonald with the Real Experience Student Athlete Podcast, signing out.